Well, good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. On Sunday, last Sunday, man, we learned how the Lord is calling us, how he's drawing us near through a covenant of love, teaching us steps to ascend to his very presence. You guys remember those steps? Those steps lead us to his presence and the first three are full of mercy. All of them are full of mercy, but showing his everlasting loving kindness. But the biggest thing that we learn is that sin is not our biggest obstacle. Man, it's our obedience, and he helps us with it. We went on to learn that we have an excellent commander who is able to victoriously direct us to defeat the long-standing enemies. I mean, just like the Philistines, as well as any celestial opposition that is ever before us. He's able to move supernaturally on our behalf. He goes out before us, and our response must be to move quickly. Somebody say quickly. Quickly. And wholeheartedly in accordance with what our commander is instructing us to do. Man, our God is one who establishes an everlasting covenant with his people. And it's from everlasting to everlasting that he will make his will, his promise, his plan known to his people. But tonight, tonight we're going to be focused on something. We're going to be focused on being prepared to move. Prepared to move when he moves. Look. We survey what's happening in this family, in our very own households. We have 26 households that are moving, being affected, 81 total people involved, 40% of our church being affected in the next 30 to 45 days of physical relocations in our households. Can you say that we are multiplying in the name of Jesus? Well, this involves the fact that we have to deal with some change. Anticipation of change, meaning what's new, what's exciting, what's challenging, what is actually maturing. And this is a fruitful time in our ministry with the number of kids that we have, but also the number of mature, godly believers that we have in our body. Amen. As a, a, a total body, we are advancing in maturity, which leads us to tonight's title for a message. Prepare to move. Let's go to Ephesians 2. We're going to pick up in verse 6. Say prepare to move whenever you get there. That brother got a prophecy. He was there even before it got there. He That's was prepared awesome. to move. He was prepared. <laughs> Starting in verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ to do good works. Here's the key. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Come on, now handiwork is something special, but uh, I remember it being back in my day, what was God's uh, craftsmanship, his, his workmanship 
that was being seen in our lives. His workmanship, his handiwork that's being, and it was formed in Christ Jesus for us to do good works, which he prepared in advance. Somebody say in advance. In advance. Man, aren't you glad that we don't have a God who, who couldn't figure out what you needed ahead of time? That he had to do it and, and be surprised? He is not ever surprised. As a matter of fact, our God has a plan. Somebody say plan. Plan. He has a plan, and his plan is to use you in the midst of what he's doing. I want to do a rapid-fire scripture string, just because I want to, just because I love you. Exodus 2630. As soon as you get there, I may not even wait for you, because I'm just, I'm just excited about understanding about God's plan that he has at work. Exodus 26.30 says, set up the tabernacle according to the plan. Somebody say the plan. The plan. Shown to you on the mountain. I want to let you know, church, that God has one plan. There is the plan that God has. He has one plan, and he's seen the end from the beginning, and he allows us to walk in it. This is going to build your faith tonight as we understand that there is the plan. Somebody say the plan. The plan. Isaiah 46 and verse 8. It says this, remember this. Come on now. We just spent seven weeks a little while ago learning how to remember things. Remember this and keep it in mind and take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Come on, church. What happens when things are going on and they're moving around you? What do you do? You remember. You keep it in mind. You take it to heart that we serve a God, that there is no one else that's like. I am God and there is none like me. Look at verse 10. It says, I make known the oh, yeah. end from the beginning. Boy, it'd be one thing for him to be able to see the end from the beginning. He doesn't just see the end from the beginning. He makes it known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, that which is still yet to come. I say, this is God speaking. Now listen, my purpose will stand. Yeah. I will do all that I please. See, we would all like to be able to say that, but God is able to say it because it is the truth of his plan. He's going to do what he desires to do. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. From a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. Hmm. Listen to this. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. The fact that God can have a plan and include you in his plan is incredible. It should give you confidence that you don't need to have it figured out because he already does. Yeah. I don't know why you're making me step this way. Yeah, just trust the plan. I don't know why we have to do this and it's quickly here and it seems slow here. Yeah, you don't even need to worry your little precious self about it because God has a plan and he's going to do what he Come purposes. On. Amen. The very fact that he has a plan and includes you in it. Do you know what that plan means? Now, we're okay with that in a big picture, but what about the plan that he has for your life? What, is he able to bring it about, church? Yeah. Yes. Is he able to bring it about in you, church? Yeah. Yes. See, that's what we have to understand. In Isaiah 14, God records it. It's, it records God's proclamation. As surely as I planned, so it will be as I have purposed, so it will stand. And by the way, also in Isaiah 14, it explains that this is the plan 
that's designed and determined for the entire world. He has got a plan that it can encapsulate everything that he has designed. First for Israel at the heart, at the center of his plan, and then he's got something for the entire world. That includes you and me. He's got an actual plan here. We're going to see it and take it to heart. Better remember that he knows the end from the beginning and he makes it known. Amen. First for Israel and then for those of us who love the God of Israel. Proverbs 21 and verse 30. Proverbs 21.30 says this, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Come on now, we serve a God who has the plan and he is working the plan. He's got a master plan that he decided before time began and nothing that comes against it will ever succeed or even remotely put his plan in jeopardy. See, now you have to understand we're laying some groundwork here because God's got a plan for us tonight. And he's got a big plan that he is active, at work putting into practice, putting into effect in the world around us. See, the variable is not if God's plan will succeed. That is not the variable that you need to worry about. The variable is if we're going to display the faith, knowing that no plan, no wisdom, nothing can succeed against the plan that God has. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 19 says that there are many plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose. It's the, Lord, the Lord's plan that prevails. Pastor just mentioned a minute ago, Ephesians 2. We are God's craftsmanship, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. Ephesians 1.4 says that he created us before the, he chose us before the foundation of the world. By the way, the us there in Ephesians 1, is Israel. He chose Israel before the creation of the world. By the time you get to 1 Peter 1, Jesus, the Christ, was also chosen before the creation of the world. What does that mean? That means he's got a plan. He's chosen his people. He's already chosen the Messiah even before this thing was rolled out, even before time began. Now, this passage in Ephesians, it applies to Jews and Gentiles. Because you were included in the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to his will, to his purpose, to his plan. But the Jews in Ephesians, in Ephesians, it's the Jews that is at the center of his speech. But you have been included in the plan. Somebody say amen. amen. Everybody turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. Somebody say the plan when you get there. See, you shouldn't be thinking about the plan as something that's far off, like in a 2D, like, in a, like on a billboard. Somewhere far off. He has actually got a plan, and you and I are walking in the middle of it. We're getting to live in it because it's real. Verse 10 of Jeremiah 29, this is what the Lord says. Man, how precious is it when the Lord says something. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you. And fulfill my good promise. Not just promises, but my good promise to bring you back to this place. Listen to this. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans. Somebody say plans. Plans. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I got to encourage you today, church, that God has one plan. 
But when it's manifested for each of us, when he's speaking to you, he can talk to you about his plans for each of us, his plans that God is working out. Whether maybe when it's an individual, we're talking plans, but God has one plan. Man, this should start driving your soul towards security in every way. He's got one plan. So when he's speaking to you about your plans, about what he wants you to do, you can trust that he's already got it figured out. He knows exactly where he wants you. It's not an arbitrary thought in his mind. It's not, a, it's not just coming up in the moment. He's had it planned before time, and he knows exactly where to put you. Man, it's almost like he may be moving some people around right now in this church because he's got plans that he wants to reveal about his singular plan. He moves, he orchestrates, he leads, he guides, he removes what needs to be removed and adds what needs to be added. Do you know why? Because he has the plan and he reveals those plans to us. Pastor, I've been on a lot of moves in our course of history at LCM. Some have been very well planned. Some have not been very well planned. Showing up and seeing everything arranged in boxes, beds broken down. I'm just kind of giving you all a little list of what to expect. <laughs> seeing that something has been well thought out and planned. Every move within the move has been planned. And it makes it go so much easier. We're like 45 minutes loading up, 20 minutes unloading. We're praying and fellowshipping. Everybody's, well, we no longer eat donuts, but we just eat keto snacks whenever we're done. I can tell you that as a pastor, we can see a lot about a home depending upon how well they plan or prepare to move. Are they following the plan that the Heavenly Father has set? See, God never has to change his plan. God never has to change his plan and he has no intention of changing his plan for you. He never changes his plans for you. If he is showing you something now, it's because it's time for you to set out demonstrating complete trust in him even before you've had the time to settle into your new surroundings, even before you get where you think you're supposed to go, you begin the trust now to go, God has a plan and he is revealing it to me and to my family and to this church. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Search, are you prepared to move according to the father's plan? Yeah. Well, turn with me to numbers chapter nine. We're going to pick up with verse 15. Say prepare to move. Yes, as we will scripturally cover, it is a proper prepare, preparation to move and part of the Father's plan that you take out your trash before people arrive to move you, not after. Just a little note. We're going to get to that so a little bit later. So Numbers 9, verse 15. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law, was set up. The cloud covered it. From even until morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. Now, pastor re just earlier read Exodus 26, 30. It said, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain, that it is the plan, the one and only plan that the father set. There weren't variable plans to set up the tabernacle. There's only one plan that God gave. 
Well, now that Israel has their status secure as a son, right? They've participated in the Passover. They've been delivered. They're traversing across the desert. They're secure as a son. They're able to now set up their life in perfect shalom. Set it up according to the plan that God gave the nation of Israel. Well, this is reflected in Isaiah 32, 16. Stay where you're at, and I'm going to pick it up here, 16 through 18. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be shalom, peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Man, this is speaking to that same position that Israel is in. They are in a status of being secure, and now they're in the process of being set up in right order in Shalom, even while dwelling in the desert. Well, pick up in verse 15. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law, was set up, the cloud covered it from evening till morning. The cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. Verse 16. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night, it looked like fire. So let's put this together. After the tabernacle was set up, after Shalom was established right there in front of it, then the cloud covered it. It's like whenever you get your home in right order, and it's finally operating as it should, then the presence of God fills that home. Then ministry begins to flow from it. Then you become the moving Merkava of God, the war chariot that is ready to go out and make war. Well, let me read to you Matthew 10 that reflects this exact process that we're reading in Numbers 9. Matthew 10, 11 says, whatever town or village you enter, Search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. Mashlomcha, shalom. If the home is deserving, let your shalom, let your right order rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. The Lord's visible sign of shalom, his cloud by day, his fire by night would rest on the encampment of his people and it would serve as a sign that they were in shalom, but also that they were ready to then set out. Come on, church, when you have your status that's been secured because you understand that he has a plan and he is informing about your portion of that plan then you're able to set up your home in shalom. You are able to set up exactly according to his instructions. You know why? Because you're trusting in him, because you're in right order with him. Look at how this continues on in Numbers 9 and verse 17. It says this, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Everybody say set out. Set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out. And at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. It's an interesting thing that you're seeing here in verse 17. See, when the Israelites saw the very presence of God begin to move, you know what they did? They set out. They began to, to, to pick up camp. They began to pack up, and each one had an assignment. But they begin to move and get themselves into the order that God had prescribed. 
Look at verse 18. It says, at the Lord's command, the Israelites set out. I thought that they were looking for the cloud. I thought that they were looking for the fire before they moved out. Here in verse 18, it says it's at the Lord's command. What does this remind us of? This reminds us of getting the absolute confirmation of both the word and the spirit before you step out and you've heard the word of the Lord. Now that you're secure in your status because you understand that he has a plan, you set your life up according to his right order, it's now time to step out in faith. Somebody say step out in faith. Step out in faith. You are able to now set out in faith and do exactly what the Lord has for you to do. What does this require of you, though? It required that the people of Israel were always doing what? They were, they were constantly looking to see if the cloud began to move. They were constantly looking to make sure that the fire was stationary. When it had been there for a long time, they were able to settle in the place, but they were never able to keep their eyes from glancing, from always looking and saying, Lord, are you about to move? Lord, are you about to do something? I want to see what you're doing here. Let's look at verse 20. It says this. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. Hmm. At the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening until morning. Wow. When it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whether the cloud, when, I'm sorry, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Church, I don't know about you, but there are times when you can get going somewhere and you can be in it and it feels like you're in a, in a season. You've kind of been doing the same thing for a while feels like things are just kind of moving on. Yeah, I know that the Lord is moving, but as far as my life, it's been, uh, I've been kind of in the same place for a little while. See, these are not random travels of the people of Israel. This is not some random thing that God is doing. He has a purpose. He even has a plan of where he wants them to be and when he wants them to be there. Can you imagine getting everything you own, loading it up, and then by morning, you have to do it all again. This is what it says. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening until the next morning. Now, how many of us would get upset at the fact of having to move that quickly? <laughs> yeah. This is not an arbitrary pathway, though, church. And if it's not arbitrary for them, then you can count on it's not arbitrary in your life. That's a good word. I've been waiting on this. I've been Isn't it amazing we can have both sides of this going in our mind? Yes. We get bored and tired of being where we are because we think we need to move on past it. And then when the Lord does it, he does it quickly. He does it suddenly. And then you're upset at how quickly it happens. <laughs> you both want to move on quickly. And then when it happens, you're like, this is going too fast. Can we slow this down? I mean, goodness knows we've had a whole seven days to prepare. Here we go. Right, Daramolis? Let's just do this. We get both upset at the Lord that we're not moving faster. And then when he causes us to move, we're upset that it moves so quickly. Come on now. See, what he was doing to the Israelites, and I think what you heard in the prophecy before, uh, during the worship time. Why is he moving us right now? Why are pieces being moving around? Pastor, I'm not personally moving. Yeah, but the Lord is moving in our midst. Can you, can you understand yes. that everyone belongs in this conversation tonight? Yes. 
Why, what is he doing? He's moving. I can't see the end result. So it makes me want to be fearful now. Now is not the time for you to be fearful. Now is the time for you to set out in faith, trusting that he Amen. has the plan and he's putting us in shalom in the right order. Amen. What you heard in the prophecy tonight was that he's removing some of our desires yeah. for worldly things. He's removing from us things that we have according to our plans, but that do not fit in his plan. Oh. Can you feel the, your security? Can you feel your faith rising here in this place tonight? See those things that you thought were just, were just random or arbitrary. God is using it to both work things out of you and put things in you that, he, that you need. He's also using it so that we're standing and we're in the right alignment as a tribe, as a community. He's putting the tribes in order. He is ready to do something in our midst. And you don't know what's coming. But he does. Yes. You don't know how much you're going to need this, what is going on in this church right now, but he does. Come on now. It's not about, it's not about their ability to be able to perceive the direction or anticipate the direction that he's going to go. That's not their job, and it's not your job. It's not their job to understand the timing. Why was this one only from evening until the next morning, and this one we were there for a year? Why is it that way? That's not your job because it wasn't their job. It's your, not your job to feel like it's a good time for the Lord to move. It's not your job. It wasn't their job. It's your job. It's my job to set out in faith as the Lord instructs us. Turn with me. To, I, oh, well, let me read to you Isaiah 60. Stay there in numbers. Isaiah 60 in verse 21 says this. Then all your people will be righteous and they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I have planted. <laughs> they are the works of my hands. Yeah. It's almost like he's got a plan. It's almost got, like he's got something purpose for them even before time began. For the display of my splendor. The least of you will become a thousand. The smallest, a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will do this swiftly. That phrase caught my attention this morning, and I'm just like, <laughs> that's awesome. In its time, I will do this swiftly. So what does that mean when it's not time? It may not feel swiftly at all. But in its right time, it'll happen in a second, in a moment. There's something that changes. It's almost like you have a birthing that's yes. going on. We got to celebrate that tonight. That's so awesome. The average pregnancy lasts somewhere like 6,700 hours. We did the math today. Over 6,700 hours. Let's say that you have a 24-hour labor period. No, it's not. It's not. It's nothing to it. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I was prepared to move. <laughs> Over 6,700 hours, even if your labor time is 24 hours, that's less than two-tenths of 1%. That's .002 of the time that it takes. See, when it gets to be time, it happens swiftly. 
man, this will never change. This will never change. This will never change. Stop being so faithless. You got to trust that God has a plan because when it is the time, it's going to happen and you're going to be caught off guard at how swiftly it's occurring. See, God's splendor is displayed when we joyfully, obediently, wholeheartedly follow the moving and the leading of God's commands. Come on, look at me, church. You all know that. You all know that absolutely because you've been trained and you are people who love the Lord. And yet when we get in the moment, we want to do anything but. We're, we're doubting. We're fearful. We're, we're anxious. We can't sleep right at night. Why? Because you're worried that God has forgotten his plan or that he hasn't instructed you rightly about his plan. See, we got to be careful. We, gotta, we, we can rest assured that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some might actually think that he is. Instead, he's being patient with us. He's working things into us. It's almost like it was in Deuteronomy 9 with the Anakites. God said, I will let you quickly eliminate the Anakites from your land. Why? Because it was in his time to do so. He did it little by little, but when it was time to engage them, that enemy would fall quickly. See, this is what the Lord is working in our hearts to do. Let's look at Numbers 9. Before we get to Numbers 9... I just want to teach you guys a little bit of something about pregnancy. I want to educate y'all. Wait, I don't really have to. You know already. You know, not from personal experience, but you know, as you get closer to the nine month mark, that 40th week, there's a restlessness. There's an uncomfortability about carrying that promise. And every step of the way, you know, labor pains are starting to increase and there's a drudgery about it. And you're having to force joy upon your face. Well, what that really is indicative of is that God is just preparing for there to be a move. There's life about to come forth. So in all of our lives, in these circumstances, as things get more intense, as it gets more heavy, difficult to carry, realize that God is enabling you to see that you are now prepared to move. Something is about to happen. Let's go to verse 22 of Numbers 9. Whether the cloud, that's good you said that, Chris. You guys are always pregnant. <laughs> verse 22. He's not lying. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days. Everybody say two days. Two days. A month. Say a month. A month. Or a year. Say a year. A year. The Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped. And at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Now let's revisit these three moments of spans of time, right? Two days, one month, a year. Now, putting ourselves in their shoes, they don't have U-Haul trucks. They don't have dollies. They have a tent with fabric or skin that is secured by tent pegs in the soil. And imagine if it was just two days. All the labor that you have gone through to box everything up, to take everything out of counters, and put it in right order. Well, for them... They had to drive in the tent pegs and secure that tent. Two days go by, and now you got to pull it all up again, bundle it up, 
and follow the leading of the Lord. You know, one of the, the, the shout outs and the kudos to the people here mentioned in Numbers 9, they obeyed the Lord's order. At the Lord's, the Lord's command, they encamped. They stayed where they were. And at the Lord's command, then they set out. There was a consistent demonstration of trust-grounded obedience. Well, James 4, 13 through 15 kind of re re reflects this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. It's putting yourself in the same level of dependency of the command of the Lord as the Israelites did in the desert. And if they could be obedient to it, surely we can as well. I, I just had a thought while Pastor was saying that. If you did not know the next time you would move, how much stuff would you want to have to carry around with you? No, trim it down. Yeah, trim it. You would have a pretty lean, mean moving machine because you wouldn't want to carry around anything extra. You so a machine out. <laughs> because when you were there, no, no storage <laughs> units allowed out. out in the desert. What you would do is you would remain in camp and you would enjoy being settled in that moment, but you would also enjoy the excitement of God raising up, of you seeing the cloud of in the day or the fire by night and it beginning to move and you're going, yes, I can stay in step with exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing. See, they obeyed the Lord's order. They settled in to his will and to his word because his will and his word were not dependent upon their physical location. It was dependent on them following and being exactly where God had them to be. Man, can you imagine somebody just being like, no, I'm just tired. We just got here last night. I'm not moving this morning. Yeah, the entirety of your people and God's presence would leave you if you weren't willing to move out to set out when God told you to. Yeah. You got to be ready to do this. Let me just encourage you while we're talking about getting ready to move. Yes. You don't need as much stuff. As you think you do when you're actually settled into his will. Yeah. Well, say that again. That's good. You do not need as much stuff if you're actually settled into his will. Mm. What do we like to do? We like to try to add stuff to make us feel settled. Yeah. <laughs> the Hebrew word for stuff is hata. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. It's close. It's close. Very close. It should be. <laughs> hey, church, you don't need as much stuff as you think you do when you're actually walking in his will. You're not trying to find something and find an extra box and find an extra weight to put on your shoulders to make sure that you feel comfortable. You're like, Lord, all I need is you. You're moving. I just want to stay in step. I want to shed off every weight and every hindrance that could so easily entangle me and keep me from running with you. Let me just encourage you. It could be that your desire to accumulate stuff is just evidence that you're actually unsettled. We want to have a group that yeah. is settled in God's will, ready to give anything away, ready to have Amen. only what God has given us. Why? Because we are settled in his will. Come on. We, we have entire industries that are designed to feed this desire to be settled. So whenever you move into a new home, 
You begin to unpack boxes. One of those phrases, and it comes out of all of our mouths. You want to go to the store, something like Home Goods or TJ Maxx or whatever else, and you want to get more stuff just to make it feel like home, feel secure. Well, imagine, let's, let's transfer that to the imagery of the Israelites just wanting to add a few more tent pegs to their tent. Let me just make sure this is a bit more secure and stable and it feels like home. Well, that's not what God was ever after. He was after their dependence on him and his word that they would be more secure in their status as sons than they were in the depth of their tent pegs. See, let's put this all together. We have a slide for you. And we've been walking through this. Having a heart that is prepared to move, it begins with having a status that is secured. That then progresses to setting up in shalom, establishing your home in right order. Then you're able to set out in faith, set out in trust grounded obedience and settled in his will, no matter where your actual tent may be. Secure status enables you to set up in shalom and then set out in faith and repeatedly be settled in his will, no matter where your feet may stand. Turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 17, and we're going to see this further. We're going to start in verse 1. Say, prepare to move whenever you get there. After David settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. Nathan replied to David, whatever you have in mind, do it, for God is with you. But that night, the word of God came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought Israel up out of Egypt to this day. I have moved from one tent site to another. From one dwelling place to another. If the Lord's journey of his will in your life has caused you to change physical locations multiple times, that just means you're acting more like God. Verse 6. Whenever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their leaders, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, why have you not built me a house of cedar? When we begin to get perspective of God's character and his nature, isn't it pretty silly the things that we set in opposition to him? In opposition to his will and really his goodness and faithfulness to lead us the entire way because he's had it planned from the very beginning and he knows the end. After becoming settled in his palace, David became unsettled in the will of the father. All of these blessings around me, he is saying, that I do not deserve victory at every side. I need to do more for God so that I do not feel so unsettled. Then, he's encouraged by his friend and prophet Nathan. Whatever you do, do it. God is with you. I said that. that that's been my voice. That's been your voice. 
Brother, you are on a Holy Ghost roll of discernment and anointed messages are coming out of you. No need to hear from the Lord about what's next and consult his plan because you got it. This is when we're becoming more secure in ourselves than the one who gave us the status of sonship in the first place. But look, God the Father is equally a good father to David and Nathan as he is to us. And as any good father would, the Lord redirects his sons, redirects David and Nathan to align themselves with his plan. To align them with his will and how it's going to be carried out. The Lord is perfectly fine moving from one tent site to another. From one place to another. He doesn't have a problem relocating. He never complained about the plan or place because he was the one who set this up all in the first place. He was way out in front of his people. He was steps ahead of them leading them from where they were to where they're going. So as your heart is being prepared by the Lord to move, all the stress and tension that's in that process is actually to your benefit. He is actually bringing you somewhere that is one step closer in fulfilling his will. Take a look at the next verse in 1 Chronicles 17, verse 7. Now then, tell my servant David, now that we've corrected the bad advice from Nathan towards David. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. Man, what if, it, what if it's about the Lord taking you from a place of obscurity to a place of security? He's a shepherd of some sheep out on the backside of nowhere. And what happens is God calls him. God took him and appointed him to be ruler over the people. God had a plan in mind and David needed to be able to move with what the Lord was doing so he could see the plan fulfilled in his own life. Man, it would have been more comfortable for him to stay as a shepherd, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, he was already doing that. He, was already, he already knew what to expect. But the truth is, is that's just us accommodating. When we move as God's spirit is leading us to move, as his word is directing us, it makes us have to cry out for his transformation in us. Amen. He is making you cry out for it. He is stepping you forward. He's causing you to set out so you can cry out for transformation and then he can have his plan fulfilled inside of you. Yeah. God appointed David as ruler. Man, if the Lord has appointed you to a place if the Lord has put you somewhere that's perfectly in line with his plan, how confident should you be? He's got you. He's got a plan. He understands how your part fits in with the whole. And he's telling you, stand here instead of here. I'm going to stand exactly where he's told me. And I'm going to be extremely confident. Because if I need to move, you know what will happen? His presence will move and I will follow it just like we've done before. Amen. See, this is about us not being sin conscious, but God conscious to be able to focus on his plan and not our plans. Look at what it goes on to say in verse eight. I've been you with you wherever you have gone. Amen. Yeah, that should have gotten more amens from the people in this room. 
I have been with you wherever you have gone. This is God speaking to King David, but don't you, doesn't that resonate within your own spirit, within your own heart? He has been with us wherever you have gone. He has led you. He is extremely good at not only knowing his plan, but making known his plan to those who love him. I've cut off your enemies from before you, and now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on the earth. What kind of supreme security should we have in his unchanging nature? He's been with us everywhere we've gone. Isn't that amazing that we're still uncomfortable with change as it's coming forward? Why? We can look back and see that he's never failed, that his plan has always been accurate, but we're nervous that this next step is going to be the one where God fails. This next step. I mean, I know he's done all this where I couldn't see it, but I I learned to trust him. It's the next one, though, Pastor. See, you don't understand. This one's different. No, it's not. His plan hadn't changed. If he's revealing something to you, it's just new to you. It's not new to him. He already had this worked out, which is why he had you take every step that you've taken since. See, he's been with you the whole time. And what he's trying to do is show you how that you can trust in his unchanging nature. Look at verse 9. Now, all that was beautiful from God. And you're going to get a glimpse of not only his affection for David, but the larger plan here in verse 9. I will provide a place for my people Israel. David's trying to give God a place to be, and God is saying, no, 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 I've got a place for my people, Israel, and I'm going to plant them there so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. See, God's saying, I'm working my plan here. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people, Israel. I will subdue all your enemies. I declare to you, that the Lord will build a house for you. Man, isn't that great? David saying, I want to build a house for you, God. And God saying, no, 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 no. I got it, David. See, you don't understand my plan. My plan is I'm going to build a house for you. I'm going to build something that you will see through the generations. I'm going to build your family line and I'm going to do that because I see you and it's part of my plan because my plan is for my people, Israel and David, I've called you to shepherd them. It's amazing. That these plans entail that God has. God's plans always entail more than just your singular part. Come on. That's a good word. See, don't we forget that? We go around and we're wondering. We're confused. We're questioning what our part in this is. You just stand where he tells you to stand. And he's got each of us standing where we must. And what happens is, is your plan affects your neighbor's plan. It affects the rest of the tribe. It affects the rest of the clan. And what God is doing is working his will. He's directing all of the plans. He's directing every plan in this room. He's directing our plans so that his plan will be fulfilled. That's incredible. The idea that he can direct Chris Reyesora or the Zakaris or Andrew Tisdale along with us and it fulfill his will perfectly. Somebody say perfectly. Perfectly. Come on, our God can not only have a plan, but he can cause his plan to come about. It's going to be through the preparation and the plans of David that his son Solomon would build the temple. Let me read this one verse to you. First Chronicles 28, 19 says this. All this, David said, I have in writing as a result of the Lord's hand upon me. Amen. David's got it. And he enabled me to understand all the details of the plan. Come on. See, that's what the Lord is doing in our midst is working us where we can understand his plan and the plans that he has for us. Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to pick up in verse 2. 
And our heart's desire is to experience what David did, to understand the details of our Father's plan. Ephesians 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This scripture speaks to where we're at right now as a church. And just pastorally, I want you to take this scripture and I want you to make a three by five index card out of it. When we're preparing to move physically, joining households together, you need to look at this scripture every single day. And here's why. Something new, something exciting. You need to walk in a level of humility that puts your brother's and sister's needs ahead of your own. You need to not be quick to anger, but instead be gentle. Your force is not going to fix their problems immediately, nor long term. You need to be patient, having an endurance, but also a nurturing effect with the other household that's with you. You need to bear with one another in love, not bearing teeth with one another. You can't just hopefully, you know, grit and strain through it. That's not the purpose of why God is combining your households in the first place. It has to be rooted and grounded in love. See, these things are designed by the Lord through his word to prepare our hearts to move, to keep in step with his plans. But the third verse is probably one of the more important ones. It's make every effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You know, I saw this in a new light today. And it is the every portion of this. But look how it reads. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. That's once it's established. That's once shalom has been set in place. Then you're also making every effort to guard it and protect it. Don't let shalom wane. Don't neglect or, or be irresponsible with overseeing it. Make it increase in the homes that are being joined together. And it's through the spirit and by the bond of peace, the bond of shalom. Man, there's no possession in a home that you could ever have that brings you the settled nature of being in shalom in a home. You should make it your ambition. As your pastor, I'm telling you to make it in your ambition. That when people walk through your doors to your home, they should feel the tangible shalom and presence of God. Let it be like the tabernacle. Let it be his cloud by day and his fire by night over your home. Don't be don't settle for something less, and that's just a description for somebody else's home. Aim it to be your home. Amen. When we have that as a church, do you know how fruitful and powerful we will be? That's where we're heading. That's what we're maturing into, and we will accomplish it. Here's the thing. When you begin to move into close quarters with other people, your human nature comes out for what it is. It is selfish as hell. It really is. We, yes. It's literal. 
when I was single, I thought I had the, the greatest servant's heart in the world. Obviously, I was filled with pride, too. <laughs> but I would do anything for anybody until I was married. I didn't realize just how selfish of a human being I was. I wanted the ability to choose the time in which I did all the events of my day. Well, that was marriage. Add kids on top of that. Then you have no choice of when you eat or sleep or do anything else. Selfishness was exposed to even a greater depth. And then you tack on ministry and laying down your life at all times. Man, we are selfish to the core. But our father doesn't leave us in that position. He calls us to be prepared to move, joining our lives together, moving in the same households, because it what's, that's the very thing that brings it to the surface, and his spirit and word are able to knock it right out of the park and annihilate it from head to toe. So as a church, we're going to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bonds of peace. Do you agree to that? Yeah. Amen. Whether you're moving physically or you're just moving to keep in step with what the Spirit of God is doing, you have to make every effort. In John 5, in verse 19, you see Jesus saying something that is incredible. John 5, 19 says this, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yeah. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. See, Jesus, the perfect lamb, the son of God, learned to be perfectly obedient to the father. He only moved when he saw God moving. He stayed exactly in camp. He settled in until he saw the very presence of God, until he heard God's voice speak, and then he began to move. Church, how much more important is it for us to have the same desire, to have the same actions in our life, that we follow exactly what he's saying? Exactly what he's saying, exactly what he's showing, because we're making every effort to live in accordance and perfect accordance with his will. Amen. I want to share with you guys something that is known as the ethics of our fathers. In Hebrew, it is Pirkei Avot. The slide will show this, Pirkei Avot, chapter 2, verse 4. And we're going to walk through this. He says, align your will with God's will. And God's will becomes your will. Surrender your will to God's will. And God will surrender others' will to your will. Aligning and surrendering your will enables you to become one with the Father's will. Does everybody see that from the slide? The result mentioned in the latter part of this Pirkei Avot is that the Father surrenders the will of others to yours because your will has become his will. You know where this is exemplified? It's seen in its best model. There's no greater model than this than Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Put up Luke twenty-two forty-two. He says, Father, 
if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. This is the greatest model of this pyrrhicate of vote that we have. It is a model that we are striving to live up to. Because look, Jesus, the perfect son of God, he lived a life of aligning and surrendering his will to the father. And here in the garden is the climactic demonstration of this ongoing surrender in the most difficult of circumstances. The result and the reward of his ultimate surrender and sacrifice is the Father leading the hearts of men, our hearts, right here and right now to align and surrender to the will of his resurrected Son. Because the resurrected Son surrendered his will to the Father, the Father is leading our hearts to surrender our will to him. Amen. That before him... Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He has earned it and he deserves it from us tonight. Now is the time to align our hearts and surrender our will to this King of Kings. The Lord is moving in our midst. He is out in front of us and he is moving. Bethany, if you'll put up that last slide. What we've been talking to you tonight about is the fact that you should be able to be secure that God has a plan, unchanging, no need for abrogation, for adjustment, for alteration, that what his plan is was set before the course of time was even put forth. You can trust that his plans for you are in perfect alignment and your job is not to question it, but just to joyfully be obedient as he is leading us. As you are doing that, you're able to set up in perfect shalom with what his will is. You're able to then set out in faith. See, you don't know what is yet ahead on the road. I don't know all the things that are yet ahead. But what I do know is that as we walk perfectly in alignment with him, we are able to stand. We're able to set out in faith and we are able to settle in his will. Stand to your feet with us tonight. What we're going to do. We're going to take this moment right now to model our King of Kings. Here at this altar, let's surrender our will. Let's align our hearts with his will. Let's find the favor of our Father that he will give us because here at this altar, we're going to prepare our hearts to move with him. As I pray, make your way down and surrender it all. Mighty God, we give to you our heart. We give to you our mind, our body, everything that we are for your will and your will alone. But we say here, here let our will, let our will be fully surrendered to you. None of it that we hold on to. Lord, help us align it fully with yours. Lord, that we may walk and fulfill your will and your will alone. We thank you, Father, for helping us. We thank you for leading us. Amen.